0: This is episode 125 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 125 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have a replay of our live stream from Wednesday night with Kayla Andrade of Ontario Landlord's Watch. Kayla is a absolute professional. She really understands the rules of the games when it comes to landlord-tenant issues. and She came on and answered Q&A on landlord-tenant issues and gave various different tips and tricks as to how to succeed as a landlord and how to navigate challenging landlord-tenant issues, specifically tenants not paying, and how to vet tenants, how to look for the right tenants. Um, all these things we want to know to make sure that we can stay in this game for the long run. Because let's face it, if we don't have systems, if we don't have shortcuts to making sure that we get the right tenants, we're not going to be in this game very long. It's a quick way to get out of the game because it'll just create headaches, nightmares, and I know for many, it just takes one nightmare tenant and they're out of the game. So uh really, really appreciate what Kayla did here coming on and sharing all this information. She is an absolute wealth of knowledge as well as being a real estate investor. We didn't even get into her story. This is just pure gold nuggets of Kayla sharing uh the how to's. Uh, of, of what she believes is the, uh, the right way to landlord. Now, nothing here is legal advice. A standard disclaimer on that. Um, uh, Kayla is not a paralegal, nor am I. We are not lawyers. Uh, we can't give legal advice. This is really just our interpretation. Any anecdotes that, that come in this episode are, are really just our interpretations and what we believe, uh, works and what we've seen working. But, uh, of course, anything could change. And, um, all the same, I really do think you're going to get a lot out of this episode. If you wouldn't mind, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple podcasts. It just helps more people to find it. I've noticed that I've actually been tracking on the uh, top 50 all time investing podcasts in Canada. And that's thanks to you, the listeners, the people who are sharing this. So I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, if you haven't already done it, I I would greatly appreciate uh, rating and review. It just helped that that many more people to find it. Uh, If you're new to the podcast and you would like to get a better handle on real estate investing, uh, I recommend going right back to episode one. Episode one is where we dig into the nuts and bolts and then we go from there, uh, deeper and deeper. So if you're, if some of the terminology doesn't make sense, um, that seems to be a consistent fix. Anyone who's having issues with that, I send them back to, to episode one and it seems to click and everything seems to work out. So, uh, without further ado, please enjoy the replay of our live episode from Wednesday. This is episode 125 with Kayla Andrade. All right. Uh, Well, first off, uh, welcome, Kayla, and welcome to everybody who is attending another live episode of the uh, Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. So this is something I'm doing roughly once a month, uh, just trying to get live guests where we can do some Q&A and really dig into questions that people have, because I don't always have the same questions that my, my viewers and listeners have. So, Kayla... You are the founder of Ontario Landlords Watch and uh, a landlord yourself, but I don't know too much of the story. So before we we dig into any sort of presentation or kind of content that you have for tonight, um, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience?
1: Okay, well, we're live, so I can't mess this one up, right? So uh, so you're right. I've been a landlord for 18 years, started really, really young, having a young family and renting ourselves as we were homeowners. Um, I got into advocacy in 2010 uh, with one of our rental properties. It was a fiveplex, and the city of Cambridge made landlords responsible for their tenants delinquent utility bills. So that is when I started to challenge the municipal government and also challenging the provincial government with petitions trying to stop uh, such a bylaw that was going to be pushed through in order to make landlords financially responsible for another person's debt. Uh, We got a petition happening that went across the province. And of course, we got a change of power, kind of set us back a little bit, but it was a good way. uh, Because what happened is that through this petition, we had so many landlords you know, sign it and and send it back to us with, with notes and letters and comments about, hey, you know, this is great. Can you also fight the Residential Tennessee Act and the Landlord and Tenant Board? So back in 2010... This is when we got started with really analyzing the issues with the Residential Intendency Act and the Landlord intent Board and really coming together as a solution, uh, as a team creating these solutions. And when I bring everybody together into Ontario Landlord's Watch members' Facebook page, it's a way for us to really uh, get involved, uh, be able to educate them on what is happening in the industry, get their input and their feedback. So I can take that back to uh, the meetings when we do have consultations with the, with the elected officials or the landlord and tenant board. Um, And as of uh, a year ago, became a property manager in the city of uh, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo. And then as of March, I became the national ambassador to Landlord Credit Bureau um, and also sit on a city committee in order to address the affordable housing and homelessness um, within the region of Waterloo as well. So uh, been busy. Also got four kids. So. <laughs> you're,
0: you're doing a you're doing a fair bit. I, I don't want to breeze over the fact that you were kind of identifying that the landlord and tenant board heavily seems to favor tenants in Ontario. Would you agree with that statement?
1: One hundred percent.
0: <laughs> and why do you think that is? I mean, we don't have to get too deep into it, but what is it about that?
1: Well, it's all about politics, right? It's a, I think that we're looking at the concept that when you are removing someone from their home for non-payment of rent, what's going to happen is that the people are now going to be ejected from their home and they now become a problem to the municipality, to the region, or to mm-hmm. the province. Uh, so this is obviously going to be costly on taxpayers as people get evicted. So again, they don't want to be utilizing that. They won't, don't want to be putting that type the pressure on the on the municipalities because they're already strapped we have waiting lists for government housing that is beyond 10 years in the region of waterloo and 22 years in mississauga so and in, in reality what they do is use small landlords and even big landlords as, as social agencies uh, for the government in order to house people who are just abusing the system
0: yeah there's, a, there's obviously a lot of abuse going on obviously some nice intentions there but a lot of abuse as well um Right now, we're kind of in a peculiar situation. And I don't know if you want to just dive into the content you have and we can ask some questions at the end. Like, what did you what did you no, have in mind? Honestly,
1: this could be a back and yeah. forth. Like you yeah. ask the questions, I'll give you what you need, because I'm sure. even when I'm, I'm presenting with the elected officials, we start off with, you know, why Ontario Landless Watch was created, uh, why they yeah. need to listen to what we're recommending and how we can work together. Um, but just fire them off at me because I know we had a, a quick chat over the phone of you know what what I do and how I do it. So I want to give everybody an update and give them some tips and tricks and how to balance a. Yeah. Uh, uh, and battle a tenant that is obviously being difficult through these difficult yeah. times.
0: And we're going to get into some case studies. I'm sure I actually had some people send me some questions via email before I asked them to come back here and post their questions here. So if you do have questions, everyone uh, just go to the Q&A box at the bottom and uh, type the question in there. Otherwise, if you put it in the chat, we might miss it. So go ahead. You can you can post them anonymously if you don't want your name attached to them. Uh, but by all means, get those questions in there, scenarios, whatever it is, so that we can talk about it. Because if you got these questions, other people. People are going to have these questions too. Um, my main question is what is notably different right now from usual? So why don't we start with that one?
1: Well, one, you know, we we look at the concept that there is a major backlog. It's been happening for quite some time. Uh, The Landlord and Tenant Board is trying to address the backlog. Uh, We do have the Ontario Ombudsman actively investigating the Social Justice Tribunal. That has been going on for quite some time. We are now giving them the last few weeks to kind of pull their socks together because we need to start calling on the Ombudsman to come out with their report on the Social Justice Tribunal. Even though we find that a lot of hearings are starting to get heard, we still have a problem where landlords are not getting their orders, they're not getting their judgments of what what they've decided yeah. uh, for a very long time. Um, but that gives us good news that the Attorney General is planning this this system that is a new digital case management system of Ontario 14 adjudicator system. So this is going to, it's going to model what BC's doing. They talk about how it's going to be available, accessible 24 hours a day. Um, and between the Landlord and Tenant Board and the Human Rights Tribunal, these are the the most busiest tribunals in Ontario, um, they feel that they're going to have more dispute resolutions, they're ha- going to be able to speed up that process, and they're going to be able to, you know, prevent cases from having to be heard by an adjudicator. Now that's supposed to be uh, hitting uh, the changes that are going to start happening in the summer, um, and it's going to be fully implemented by December of 2023. So that gives us hope. You know, and and that's great. But again, we have landlords suffering now. We have tenants suffering. This is about the system, uh, uh, the housing market and as a whole, is is under is under is an under a threat. And I think what you'll start to see that, you know, what's always been happening is that n- non-payment of rent has been the number one application at the landlord and tenant board. And we also have the concept that we have more landlords doing n 12 So N12s is taking over the unit for your own personal use, and they have become uh, very, very popular within the Landlord and Tenant Board and as well as our paralegals who are doing the paperwork uh, for that. And, you know, some of our realtors, we, we're, they're trying their hardest to, to do this N-12 and have their case, but it's also causing their their deals to fall through because the tenants are refusing to leave. So that's what the the current changes that are happening, which is I love the fact that we are going digital first, but not digital only. Um, Many tenants are trying to stop that because they feel that it's not giving them access to justice and fear representation. Um, But again, they have lots of time to get legal advice. They do have uh, the option where I feel it's easier for tenants to be heard and show up at their hearing versus having to travel to a, a... A place like ours in in the region of Waterloo was actually uh, at two places. It was in a community center with the pool below you. uh, And they now have changed it into a hockey arena. So it's like, that's not really quite a nice place to have your eviction hearing, but Mm -hmm. they have changed it. And it's great to know that it is uh, gone from Microsoft over to Zoom.
0: Okay. So, you know, I probably should have started with this, but just like high level, because a lot of people aren't familiar with this process. I know you're in it every day, but say I'm a landlord and I didn't know what I was doing. I have a tenant in my, my unit and maybe that tenants not paying or exhibiting some behavior that, you know, maybe in your eyes would justify some form of notice. Um, what do people need to know? Like, What, what resources should they be looking at? What, what are the main parties they should be looking to deal with? I mean, I know I've gone through the N4 process and, and then the one that comes after that. And I've issued, uh, I believe, N11s. And I've, I've been through some of them. But, but uh, generally, I, I mean, I've had really good experience with my tenants. I haven't had to deal with it. But I know not everybody has that experience. So, so could you just tell us high level, what parties do we need to be aware of? And, and where do we start if we're having problems?
1: Uh, right away is the communication trying to figure out is your tenant actually wor- working with you do they want to work with you and if so you need to work out that payment agreement you need to get that payment agreement you need to show what, you need to show proof to the adjudicators that you are trying to work Uh, with that tenant because that's going to be the major factor when you actually get in front of a hearing is were you able to work with your tenant show us how you've tried to work with your tenant and that's showing the means of trying to work with them when you give them a payment agreement form and let's say they fill it out great but if not let's show that you have a track record of trying to give it to them and then refusing to do it I like to give a little extra so as I'm trying to work out that payment agreement with them I'm also guiding them to different government services Services That help landlords with their rent relief. So there is programs out there, you know, a lot of us were really upset at the fact that we had commercial relief uh, for the commercial landlords through the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and nothing really was happening for landlords, we just had eviction ban after eviction ban. But there is actually, you know, different service managers across the province that can indeed help tenants with rent arrears, as well as uh, a relief from utilities. So it's about uh, educating our landlords on those programs and sending that information to your tenant, also documenting to show that you're trying to not only work with them, but you're guiding them to funds to help them. Now, if that tenant does not pay anything, you know, not a single dollar towards their rent, you show that they haven't paid a payment arrangement, you sent them a link to government services to help them with their rent relief, you can now walk into that adjudicator and be very proud to say, I've tried, you know, this is now financially hurting me, I've tried to guide these people, they haven't paid me a single dollar for rent, and I'm now looking for a standard order. And you always make sure landlords that you are getting your n4 application out the door. You know, I know we have like, Hey, you know, something happened. I, I had a big expense. It's great. It just all depends on the manner and way you give that. N for notice, you know, saying, Hey, I know you're going through some difficult time, but I do have to give this paperwork. But you know, once you pay, and by the time you're telling me, you're going to pay, don't worry, this, this applications out the door, I don't have to file it, you know, it's about still working your paperwork, it is a business, and you need to have them familiar with these paperwork. Um, because when you do obviously have these tenants now abusing the system and you start giving these, these forms, it's going to be a shock to them. And then they might you know, retaliate in a, in a different way. Yeah. So always making sure that you're getting the four and, and read the, the landlord and tenant board. Read it like it's like uh, like the newspaper. That's the best way for you to really understand because even though we're telling you to do these forms, if you do one thing the wrong way, your application is thrown out and you have to start the process all over again. And with a backlog like we have in Ontario, you don't want that.
0: In other words, yeah, read the forms carefully. And I know like the N4 form, I've, I've done a lot of those. Um, that one has clear instructions on it. But I've made so many mistakes on those forms. Luckily, like, it never went anywhere. The tenants always ended up paying. But I look back at them and I'm like, wow, if this had ever gone to uh, you know, a tribunal, I would have just got thrown out. Fortunately, most tenants, they're, they're just scared by the form and they want to work it out. So, uh, yeah. But I like the point you made. You know, Talk to them. Say, hey, I, this is a formality. I have to do this. But you know, it's not a big deal. I want you guys to you know, get it up to speed. So even if the tenants have the best intentions, do you recommend still, uh, still do the N4 no matter what if they're late?
1: Always. So on
0: the second day of the month, if you don't have the money, you're doing an N4.
1: I usually say the third, I usually say that they're especially if they like if it's just to the concept that they usually you got to see their pattern, are they the type of person to say, you know, hey, you know, rent's early, hey, I'm going to be a couple of days late, you know, you start to know their pattern, um, and being able to give that and for it, but it should be a, a mine and said, I say no more than the fifth of the month, but um, because you already have a 14 day delay, and um, before you can even file, and then you have your hearing delay. And then if they delay it, because of the loopholes that tenants now, now you're even looking at more delays. And let's not talk about the sheriff. So, you know, we every day counts. But if you have that that, those means to deliver that notice, and making sure that your certificate of service is is just as clear as your N4 notice, because just because your certificate of service form is a, a way to state how you serve that tenant. You gotta make sure your paperwork is right there because your application could be thrown out the window just because of the certificate of service. So it's really challenging to make sure that your forms are proper and that the landlord tenant board's changing all the time. So just because you print it off like multiple forms all at once and you're going to grab it from your file, making sure that you're double checking it at the landlord and tenant board as well.
0: Yeah, good point. I know I've gone on there and, and couldn't find the forms because they were updating them. So uh, they're they're back up now, are they? All the forms are back on the website?
1: <laughs> There's going to be more changes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? This is good. You know, when yeah. I started advocating, we couldn't get a change yeah. for the life of us. So change is good. And just making sure that we're a part of that change. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So for anyone who's wondering, my experience with these forms it, uh, is that you can read them and you, if you take your time, you can fill them out correctly because the instructions are there. Would that be your, your take as well? All the forms, including N4 and some of the others?
1: They're all there, you know. When you get to an N5, let's say you're N eight, you know, so if you're looking on the concept of an N four and you're always given these N4s because it's 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 business, it's yeah. protocol, but sometimes it also means something else. You may not be just given the N4 because you want that tenant to know, but you also can lead into, okay, we have 12 months. I had to give you six N4 notices. I can't run my business like this. We need to make sure that the rent is being paid on time. So now you can actually apply to the board with an N8. And the only way to do an N8 is showing that you've showed proof that you've served at least at least five Uh, And for applications, and sometimes six, it all depends on what adjudicator you have, there's no consistency with our adjudicators. Um, And their information of which adjudicator you're going to be getting, you can look them up and see what their background is. So that's a tip for our landlords, too, is that when you're checking to know what adjudicator you have, you can get their bio, see how you can address your situation to fit where they come from, and see if that could help you but sometimes you get the counselor past, uh, deputy mayor of Ajax denying your expedited hearing. So that sucks, but what can you do? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Interesting tip. Yeah. Look, look into who you're going to be dealing with. I think that's, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. So I, I think we'll get into a couple of these, uh, these questions. I, I'm trying to, to gauge just where, where people are at generally. So, um, everyone, if, if you're watching, you know, if you're listening, um, now, let us know, are, are we asking the right questions here? Is this right down the middle for you? Do you want us to go back into more of the basics or do you want us to keep, keep moving this forward? Um, I guess there's just the one thing I'll add is, is go to the Landlord Tenant website, just like uh, Kayla is mentioning. Understand the forms that, that are there and what they do. Even if this is over your head right now, um, it will get more clear. Especially if you go to the website and you and you investigate those forms but uh just before we get into these questions, so if someone's got a tenant that hasn't paid in six months and they've been trying to get them out, what are their their odds of getting them out in the near future right now
1: uh, well i do I do find like the the time frame have sped up you know I've helped a landlord do their application uh, for the region of Waterloo, so to speak in May of May eleventh and they now have a hearing on August sixteenth you know, before you would apply in May and we might not get one until May the next year. So it's improvements. It's definitely improvements. Um, So if you got
0: the hearing on the, on, in August, is that this, this is the hearing after you've heard the N4 and then the N5, is that right?
1: So let's say this is actually, for this in particular situation, it's going to be an N12. So the the landlord's trying to sell the property, the tenants are refusing to move out and the tenants are actually asking for $20,000 in order to okay. move out, to make this deal go through. Luckily, the the seller has a buyer who is very patient and is waiting. But obviously, they're couch surfing until they actually can get in uh, right. to their purchase, the, the property that they just purchased. So as they got this hearing for uh, August 16th, and that is going to be uh, a hearing where the tenant and the landlord get to show up, they get to vouch why uh, the the landlord is going to say, I need this place. And the tenant's going to say why I I don't want to move or to say that, you know, I'm going to be homeless or that they are going to be paying a lot more rent elsewhere that they can't afford. They're going to try to get it delayed or refused. So sometimes our tenants are now pulling section 83, where they ask the adjudicator to delay or to refuse the eviction. So that's a tactic that, the tenants work with, and of course, their legal representation. So it's always something that our landlords need to be prepared for when they vouch that they need to sell it. And they, they, the, I could see the adjudicator would probably do more delays versus refuse and just give the tenant more time. To relocate yeah
0: that that really just doesn't sit well with me that they would that they would stay but I mean I, I get it is what it is um, so so say for instance the adjudicator said no you have to leave and leave now and could would could you make an application to the sheriff once with that decision and have them come out to the property and then how long are you waiting for that
1: so right after you have your hearing, and let's say that they let you know at the time of hearing what they've decided, some of them don't because it's it's public. A lot of tenant activists and landlord activists are around there paying attention to what is being being done. Um, so they will say the our, our judgment will be in the mail or it'll be in email. Um, and then you have to wait for that. So some landlords are waiting 30 to 60 days uh, right now just to get the paperwork. And you can't do anything until that paperwork comes to you and it's officially stamped with the date um, in which it was created um, and then you have to count the time frame um, on that order where it they give you a date uh, for the tenant to leave and then at that time frame then you can apply for the sheriff and, and then put them uh, put put yourself on the list for the sheriff to come and you can know that with an eviction ban that was in place and an order still uh happening hearings still happening that there is now going to be a bit of a backlog. I'm hearing approximately five weeks uh, for the sheriff um, um, in order to, to evict.
0: And this is getting better, but we're still, you know, if, if you have a, a belligerent tenant that's just trying to be difficult, it could it could take five, six months even still now if it's happening. Is that is that a fair assessment?
1: Definitely. And you know what, like a lot of us landlords, we we use this trick, and I don't recommend us doing it anymore. It was cash for keys. You know, we always said, let's do cash for keys in a way to skip the landlord and tenant board. I rather just offer them a good chunk of money. But sometimes the chunk of money is not even worth it to them. It used to be like two months of rent, three months, of rent. you know, once they once they introduce that one month's rent that you have to give for an N12 notice, that's when it seemed like the expectations for tenants had escalated, and they want more more and more money in exchange to leaving their unit. Because a lot of it, they talk about rent evictions. They talk about the concept that landlords are just trying to get these people out in order to get the rent up. But knowing some landlords are like, no, I just want a nice tenant who pays on time, who keeps the place clean, and I need to make my numbers work. So this is where we we used to do it. We don't advise it anymore because obviously that information got to our tenants. Um, and now the tenants are like, I want $20,000. And they will hold on. They will make your deal sink um, before and th- before they want to leave. And and that's the we got to stop it. We got to tell them we're not giving out cash or keys anymore.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a bad it's a bad trend, right? The word gets out. So vet your tenants. Like do your research. Call every reference they have. Double check the landlords, uh, the previous landlords. I would actually go in and confirm that the previous landlord actually did in fact own the property. Um, you know, don't leave any stone unturned. And then of course, trust your gut. This is my take. Of course, I'm not giving legal advice, but this is my take and how, um, how it's worked for me to avoid situations. I've had bad tenants, but, um, usually going in with reason and, and kind of explaining how things will happen. You know, I, I don't want to have to take you to court. I don't want to have to do this. Uh, let's work together. That's worked for me but I know that I've heard so many horror stories lately of people really trying to abuse this, which is unfortunate. So um, let's go ahead and get into some of these questions. And I'm sure that's going to give us a little bit uh, more of a you know, direction as to where this episode is going to go. But uh, okay. So Jacqueline um, Marshall, I hope I hope I'm saying your first name, right? Uh, so security deposits are not allowed here. What legal inclusions can I include in my signed lease? And for example, Can I say if you clog a toilet and create damage and cost, uh, and the cost of a plumber is on you? Oh, the cost of the plumber is on you, not me. And uh, what else can I legally include to protect myself?
1: Well, definitely having uh, a security deposit is is obviously one something we always wanted in Ontario, but you know, we have first and last, meanwhile, it doesn't really make sense here. Uh, it's not like Alberta, A lot of Alberta is really uh, investor friendly and you can tell through the way that their justice system works. And then when you talk about the toilet and what we use for our additional terms, and that could be more of like, if you can show inside of your additional terms that if something by accident, you know, totally, you know, us as a landlord, we pay for it, but if you've done it where it's on purpose after the first time, this is where you know you could start making them a responsible for the damage of that in particular um, d- item that they've damaged because of the concept that it was fixed, it was in working condition, and if they constantly did it because they they were neglectful, you can actually issue your N5. Now, mind you, I am just a landlord who's been doing this for for quite some time, but I am not a paralegal, but you will have success in in making sure that you show the track record of the abuse of doing damage, and it's been done um, on purpose. After you've, let's say that, let's give an example of um, flushing things down the toilet. You know, we told you in a letter, this time and this time, not to flush toilet stuff down the toilet, you have failed to act on our, our request to prevent you from doing that. Now we're going to be issuing you an N5 notice to end your tenancy. And then that is if they don't correct their behavior within the seven days, you know that is when you take them to the landlord and tenant board and have it dealt with in front of the adjudicator. Where the adjudicator could issue uh, an order to the tenant in order to refund you what you've been paying. So it's really mm-hmm. utilizing these and N, these notices, all the end forms on the landlord and tenant board website, and trying to read them and see what is fitting to your situation. But usually you'd be able to handle this with the landlord and tenant board. And again. Sometimes we just have to be understanding and go, yeah, sometimes it's a mistake. Yeah, they just broke the window. That sucks. At least, you know, you have something for your tax write-offs, right? So we all need those now these days.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I actually take that approach with tenants. Like if it's just a little something here or there, I try not to nickel and dime them. Um, There's good good cash flow in the properties that I have, which it just made it a little easier to to look the other way. If they're generally reasonable and then every once in a while something happens, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll help you guys out. Like, and that give and take goes a long way. In my experience, if it the does. tenants know you're reasonable with them, they try and take care of the place. They don't try to do anything vindictive or, or destructive, which uh, has been really good uh, for me. Don't mind my dog.
1: <laughs> He's okay. upset about it too. What you you want to end five on the dog situation? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. We might need to. Um, okay. We have uh Colin key asking how to deal with divorces. So they may present okay at the start and then things break down. So I'm assuming Colin is referring to a couple in the, in the property, uh, maybe one of your rental units that is getting divorced. Do you have any thoughts on that Kayla?
1: Honestly, I try to keep them completely. You want to be involved because you want to know who's who's staying, because that's usually sometimes when you have that bad tenant. It's a it's a good relationship gone bad. uh, And that's where I had my experience. You know, I've been doing this for 18 years and I've only had to bring one of my my tenants personally to, to court. And that was because I got stuck with the guy the wife took off with the kid, I got stuck with him for seven months. And it's like, damn it. <laughs> but the best way for you to do it is try to figure out what they're deciding as a couple who wants to stay who wants to go who and maybe hopefully both of them want to go and you can start all over again. And that would be the ideal situation to make sure that one that the rent is not so high that they that one person can't cover it. And now you have yourself in a delinquency situation. Um, but I would definitely try to um, mediate the situation with trying to figure out who wants to stay who wants to go but really encourage them to to potentially both give notice uh, so that they can relocate and find something cheaper but because of the market being what it is today a lot of people are are staying on to these units and especially if the rent is cheaper um, because they know it's going to be difficult for them to find But ideally, it's and then if not, whoever wants to leave, you know, getting them to sign that N11 uh, to state who is leaving and getting them off the lease, um, that would be ideal. But again, you got to really try to stay out of it as much as you can, just because with relationship breakdowns, it can get dicey.
0: Yeah, I like that, that mm-hmm. answer. I've, I've had issues, I mean, like domestic issues in my student rentals even, and I've had, you know, tenants who have subletted to other tenants and then they've subletted to somebody that they really shouldn't have. And they're calling me saying, oh, our sublet is doing this. I'm like, I can't get involved with what you've done, you know, in a sublet agreement. You need to call the police if you have an issue, like you need, you need to deal. I mean, I actually tell them and whether this is right or wrong, I don't want to see their sublet agreements. I actually don't, I just, I just want the contact info. I said, that's between you and your sublet. Um, We have our agreement. Everything's between you and I. I don't deal with your sublets except for notice and things like that. Um, I like to stay out of it. I think that that's probably, that would be my take on the divorces as well. And I want to stay out of it. You guys, as long as you guys are paying, that's great. If you guys want to talk to me, I'm here, but, uh, but you got to handle it between the two of you and uh, okay. So let's keep, keep moving forward. Uh, Jake Novis, question there. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Don't I be mean, a
1: Doctor Phil. <laughs>
0: yeah, by all means, uh, feel free to ask. You know, to further clarify if you want want more there. Um, okay, so Jake Novis asking. Um, I am currently trying to get a tenant out that hadn't paid rent since march 2020 so my condolences jake um at at that time i filed for eviction and we finally had a hearing with an order in may 2021 however the tenant filed for a notice to appeal after that which has now delayed their eviction somewhat inevitably any recommendations on how to deal with it and what to expect
1: Okay, as soon as I'm like, okay, March 2020, did you have your hearing? Okay, May 2021, you had your hearing. Okay, through that May 2020, uh, was the adjudicator siding with you? Were you getting the order of an eviction for non payment of rent? And that's when the tenant put a stay. Um, and do you have your next hearing date for that stay? Now, the good news is technically a tenant can only apply for a stay once through their tenancy. So just to know that when you finally do get that hearing of to because of the stay, uh, just know that that could be the final straw. Now, when I say that could be the final straw, technically, like I said, one stay per tenancy, but sometimes we have tenants who actually get two or three. And that's because, no secret here, landlord and tenant board cannot uh, have a system to try to... Keep track on these stays. So if you do see another stay, or hopefully they just don't apply for the divisional court, and that is another something that is going to even prolong the eviction even more. So that is the concept where we don't really talk too much about because it's it's just another loophole within the system where they actually get to stay until the case is heard at the uh, divisional court as well. So best thing is, is that just still go with your strong voice of, you know, why are they applying for a stay? Um, because that's what we're trying to advocate for as well is that if a tenant does apply for a stay, there should be a reason that accompanies that uh, before it gets granted. But right now, they automatically grant that stay. Um, and this is the concept where we really want to to find out why that stay is uh, is being granted um, just so that you can now prepare for the hearing to kind of have the rebuttal of why uh, they shouldn't be granted a stay and that the eviction uh, should be lifted. But good note is that if they do side with you um, after that stay hearing is that you're now got that paperwork and you can go and apply for the the sheriff right away. So that that could be a good thing.
0: So a couple of updates from from Jake here. He said uh, they did get the order for the first stay as it is going to the divisional court. And then he said he missed uh, he applied for a stay because he missed the hearing. He, he says, Thank much you. Money,
1: how much money is this tenant in the arrears?
0: Jake, are you still with us? How much money, uh, how much money you're waiting on about 10,000?
1: 10,000. Yeah. This, this sounds like a professional tenant because normally what happens when you, if you missed your a landlord and tenant board hearing is that you can apply for your stay and you get another hearing, but if they're gone to the divisional court, that means they've, they've already had that, that time in court. And now they're, they're now trying to prolong it by waiting for the divisional court. I think the best way for you as a landlord to better protect yourself, cause you're just going to have to ride the system. There's not going to be a way for you to, um, get over this, you just have to go through this nasty system that we're in. But making sure that you're reporting this tenant to Landlord Credit Bureau, reporting those monthly payment histories that they're missing to Landlord Credit Bureau, so that it not only just goes to Landlord Credit Bureau, but it's also going to affect their credit. And it's going to affect their credit. So when when you do get this eviction, that they're going to be it's going to be on their record where other landlords who are doing credit checks are going to be able to see this through an open trade line from LCB. Because of this report, because I could tell you from when they know the divisional court, that's it. You got yourself. You got yourself a professional.
0: Okay, so so uh, we had a question here about that. Uh, Are there resources to identify professional tenants who know how to play the court system? And that's that was a well-timed question. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even seeing the question. I just have you. I just me and Andrew here on the screen just so I can uh, keep myself from looking up. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Every landlord in Ontario and every good tenant needs to be registered with Landlord Credit Bureau.
0: How do we do that, Kayla? How, how, where do we where do we report that? Are you still with us? I think you might have froze on me there. Okay, guys, Kayla. Kay, oh, there you are. Okay, am I back? Yeah, you're back. <laughs> how do we yeah. how do we report to Landlord Tenant Bureau?
1: Okay, so Landlord Credit Bureau, you All can right. go onto to LandlordCreditBureau.ca uh, and you're going to be able to get yourselves vetted. So, they're going to vet you to make sure that you are who you say you are. Um, you can have a free account, which you can utilize their platform for record keeping, or you can have their premium account. So, their premium account, it's $1.99 for the year, or it's $19.99 per month with $0.60 cents per lease. So, you can have five people on the lease you still only get charged 60 cents. Um, But if you use the code OLW15, you can actually get 15% off your monthly membership with Landlord Credit Bureau. And this is the power that's behind it. So as your premium member, you're gonna be able to have your tenants are going to receive a welcome email. So good or bad, you know, they're going to be able to report the welcome email to inform them of what Landlord Credit Bureau is all about. And then you have the concept of consent. So a lot of people think, well, do I need the tenant's consent? Do I need a judgment? Do I need an order? And you you don't need an order or a judgment to report your bad debt. And you don't need the tenant's consent to report a bad debt. But if you do want to report your tenant's good payment history, you will need their consent. And you can do that through the clauses that are available on LandlordCreditBureau.ca's website. And you're going to be able to do it through the welcome email that the tenants will get as you make a tenancy record for them. And they can opt into that service. And this is, you're going to really utilize this program and this service in a way that's going to help you with your screening. This is what I love about it. I get excited for it because of all the years that I've been advocating is that when you're putting your rental unit up on Kijiji, Facebook, you're going to put in there that you are reporting to Landlord Credit Bureau and that you are going to be doing a tenancy search through Landlord Credit Bureau. So every landlord, if they had a bad or good, if they're doing that tenancy, uh, putting their data into the system... Your tenancy search, you're going to be able to pull up that tenant's payment history and you're going to be able to see the six questions that were answered by the previous landlord and a description of their review. And most importantly, you can actually see the landlord's name and their email address who actually put that inquiry on that tenant into Landlord Credit Bureau so you can actually connect with them to know you're actually speaking to the landlord for that reference. And it's going to start to get utilized where I, as a landlord, doing my screening, I'm going to be like, hey, can I can you give me a reference from your previous landlord? And they're going to like, oh, you want a letter? Do you want them to call you? And I'd be like, no, no, I want them to sign up with, you know, register for free on Landlord Credit Bureau. They can put a review with your consent. And then I'm going to be able to see that review to know that I'm actually getting the landlord. So this system, I find it I call it the game changer. It's the game changer that's going to really bring that justice and fairness into the rental housing community. It's going to reward our good tenants and help them build their credit so that they are successful homeowners or landlords themselves. And it's going to put that consequence that's in place for these tenants who think that they want to continue to keep abusing landlord upon landlord because we have more landlords Mm -hmm. leaving the industry um, and then coming into it because the risk is so great. LCB is limiting that risk for us, and that we're becoming that united voice. So that's why I'm proud to, to be that, that, that national ambassador for them, because I see what I've been doing for landlords for the last 10 years, and I'm going to spend the next 10 years doing this and informing as many landlords as I can about it, because it is going to be the game changer.
0: It's a, it's a fantastic idea. And I, and I think that it could, it has a lot of potential. I, I, and I don't know where it's at. Cause I haven't actually used it myself, but I, I, my feel on that would, would be that it really is about how many, how many users are on the system, right? Once we get a hit, a critical mass of people using it, then it becomes extremely useful, right?
1: When you get yourself into a tenancy search, wanting to know how many tenants are in the database, you know, that's where we get tenancy search. They're going to be offering their credit checks that are going to be obviously through pulling from Equifax you're going to see the full on credit but the most importantly part of landlord credit bureau is not just how many people are using the database is knowing that you as a as a landlord can automatically affect your tenant's credit. You're letting other tenants, other landlords who are not using the Landlord and Tenant Board service, you're letting them know that there's something to look out for here with this tenant by able to be reporting their monthly payment history. So that's where you think that it's all about the data. So when you look at other places that report that monthly payment history, you want to know, okay, how many people, but they're not reporting to the credit bureaus. They're not reporting to Equifax, And that's what gives it the strength. And when a tenant is knowing that they get an email, a welcome email, a rent reminder email, as well as a rent collections email coming to them of showing how it's affecting their credit by not paying their landlord, that is the power. Like I said, when I had that one tenant for that I took seven months to get out, less than 24 hours, he was already gone for seven months. <laughs> and in less than 24 hours, he was calling me. Our landlords in our group, they have their tenants squaring up, making their payments because they know this is now going to become the new norm based on what has COVID has done to this industry.
0: So to clarify, Landlord Credit Bureau is its own system, but also reports to TransUnion and Equifax. So you can see a monthly monthly payment history.
1: Equifax right now, TransUnion in the future.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Equifax is the more, well, I mean, I think it's more common, but yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. So that's extremely useful. I'm just going to give my personal take on this has been my strategy and what kind of helps me sleep at night is uh just posturing how I would do things like if a tenant's being difficult just explain simply to them that like in the case of uh, of Jake you know if, if you've got ten thousand dollars owing to you, I would make it very clear to that tenant that I will be collecting on that but now, whether you delay this and, you know, stay another, you know, 15 months, you know, I, I will be seeking a judgment and I will be seeking to collect on that judgment. I think there's eight different ways you can collect on a judgment. You have to pay like a hundred bucks for each one you want to do. Uh, my, my lawyer friend told me this. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice, but I would just say <laughs> I would do all of them. I, I'll, I'll go after your bank account go after your, your, uh, you know, your, your wages and actually garnish your paycheck. Like, um, I would just I would just say look this is this is my process this is what I would have to do I don't want to do any of that so how about we just work this out right now you know it's better for you it's better for me it works for everybody let's just work this out and that's being at least taking that approach, I feel like it's disarmed some situations saying, look, I could do this. And we both know I could, but we don't want to go there. It's not good for anybody. And, um, I, I don't know, like that's not going to work for everyone. Everyone has to find their own voice and how you talk to your tenants and mm-hmm. posture and, and, and set up the situation so that you don't have to deal with these situations. But then of course, get everything like on the application, Kayla, are you getting, where do they bank? Uh, you know who's their current employer? Show me proof. Um, you know if you have this stuff, I, I had one tenant. They they tried to move out in the middle of the night. They were trying to stiff me on rent, but I just said okay. Like not, they didn't care about their credit. They didn't care at all. And they, these had, these had been in since 2012, start of 2012. So this is when I didn't really know what I was doing. I put them in there, and they were difficult tenants. And I had them until like 2017, 2018, and um, I. I remember calling them out on it. They didn't care about the credit. They didn't. None, none of that mattered. But the second I said I was going to go after their paycheck, he went silent. He said, "Let me call you right back." They agreed that they were going to leave the house in eight days, and you know they were going to make it neat and tidy so that the new tenants could move in. And uh, so this is why I think what you do is so great because if you can help people to understand what their recourse is then we can proceed with confidence in talking to our tenants and saying look we don't want to go down this road but there is there is a tool here for us and even if landlord tenant uh, board doesn't agree and our adjudicator doesn't agree we can still go to small claims court uh, for the amount owing so and get a judgment is that is that correct in your understanding
1: yeah it's it's great but sometimes if you look at the difficult people that we deal with they don't really quite almost have that good job right and they mm-hmm. like you said they didn't care about their credit this mm-hmm. system is also with lcb is that it's informing the other landlords because they're they're able to continue to keep doing it because the landlords are not getting um educated on what products and services are out there for the credit check mm-hmm. or for the tenant ser- services so you got to look at can their wages be garnished and then we got the concept of skip tracing now we have to find them you have to know where they bank. And then you have to learn, learn how to serve them. So when they do relocate, and they are in a different place, it's like, okay, how do I serve them? Do I serve them at their work? Are they still working there? You know, so many people like I've had this one tenant uh, that I know of who had seven jobs in one year. (laughs) So it's like, okay, and then you have Uh, tenants who have multiple bank accounts and then as soon as you have a check that you know say hey you know your payment just came back this month oh I forgot to put money into that account and it's like uh why do you what? Because that's like their play account. play account. They don't care. They're being charged multiple banking fees, but it's always going to be to the concept of utilizing. to Say, listen, it is true. I'm going to go after you in the court because you don't know if you can or not at times. But saying it actually can help. But knowing that you're going to prevent them from securing their next rental unit because you're telling yeah, them this yeah. this thing is spreading like wildfire. The landlord, the rental community, the good tenants are supporting this, this service, and you're going to be left in the dust and good luck waiting for, uh, you know, rank gear to income or government housing, because that waiting list is longer uh, than you can imagine. Right. So it's about saying, listen, and I have a situation, you know, we have a, a tenant where, you know, they're bossing you around trying to think that they're right. And it's like, I have a lot more tools to deal with you. So if you want to continue to keep this battle going on, it's one thing, but you need to start looking at different services, different products, different ways of communicating. And you have to keep it very professional. And if you feel your emotions are being attacked, where you want to just punch that person in the face, learn to step back or hire some someone personal, because I know as, uh, with my own units, it's hard, your heart starts pumping. But when a property manager and you're in and you're professional and you're calm and you're collective and you know what is right and what you need to do. So just take that and, and just, because we, how many articles have you seen, Andrew, where the landlord has been getting arrested because of their, their, they're going after their tenants and the tenants yeah. are saying things. So everyone stay calm. You, you got to stay
0: cool. Yeah. Yeah. You got to stay, stay, stay cool.
1: Rent on. <laughs> yeah.
0: Don't, don't go breaking into your, your own unit because you don't think the tenant should be there. Yeah. You can get yourself oh. in trouble
1: or um, taking away their door.
0: <laughs> yeah. Taking away the door, changing the locks, those things <laughs> sound Enough good. hydro,
1: not worth it, yeah. guys. You got to go into the board with a clean conscience. You're going to yeah. go in spick span and that way you can hope to, to win your case.
0: Okay, guys, just a quick reminder, make sure your questions go into the Q&A. I'm working through them. We're going to try and kind of bang these off, um, you know, pretty uh, pretty quick here so I can try and get to all these questions. So uh, Jacqueline asked another one. What are five tips or questions to help screen a tenant? Um, I give an application first and check the information first and proceed from there. But what are some pre-screening tips?
1: For me, I act very cool, very chillant almost act like an image, an amateur, like you don't know what you're doing. That is the best tip I can give someone because it's more of the concept where you're going to try to get to know them on a commercial, like a, as a, a character check and a, and a friend basis, but you got to It's not going to be really that friendly. So when you're walking in, you're letting people see like, hey, you know, come on in. You know, this is a two bedroom, one bath. You get the backyard over here. You get the garage. Uh, You are responsible for, you know, the snow removal for your uh, in particular property Um, and say, so have you guys seen a lot of places? Like, what are you seeing out there? You know, getting into the concept of uh, working them as, as a very casual conversation, like you're just there to show them the unit. And then you can get into that off topic of trying to figure out, you know, oh, why are you guys moving? You live in town and, and you're just doing it very friendly. Sometimes when landlords are doing their screening, they have it where it's a, hey, so uh, why are you moving? Like, do you want to uh, go here and and work uh, in this area, like, are you okay with payment? Like, you have to get yourself into that friendly thing. Just like I talk to a landlord now or a tenant, and be like, "Oh, you know, I just forgot to let my dog out. Oh, I hope it does not pee on the floor. I'm gonna be so mad. I don't have a dog, <laughs> but they're gonna tell me that they got one. You know? Uh, so it's and and knowing that you're inside of your your relationship, you have a relationship. That's great. Now you're gonna ask them. It's like oh, my husband, oh, I don't know how I'm, I'm I'm with that man for like 18 years, he just texted me this. And they're like, oh, do you have a spouse? You know, it's really getting yourself into and, and getting to know them as a person and then let the application and the paperwork speak for that but never take that, never take their credit check. I don't know how many times I tell landlords they are getting forged really, really well these days where one almost bypassed me. So the tenants are really um, doing their own credit checks, saying that they're doing their own credit checks So don't taking that um, and getting into the concept of asking that person what they do in their job. You know, when they say that they work at this job, it's like, oh, how is that? You know, what, what do you do there? You know, what about this? Because you're just showing your interest on the concept that, you want to know what they do, but really you want to know, Hey, do you really work there? Do you know your stuff? How long have you been working there? Because I want to know, do you actually uh, know what you're talking about? And are you just making it up? Cause I am going to be asking for your work reference from your, from your place. So
0: yeah, there's going right to be
1: on. lots of different ways to get that tenant into talking, but it's just, I hate the, the one line that landlords usually recommend is tell me about yourself. It's like, nah, <laughs> it's you got to feel them. You got to really pull it out of them to tell them about yourself. Just telling them, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm quiet. Um, I have a job. I like long walks on the beach. No, they're, they're not going to tell you the truth anyways. They're going to tell you what they want to hear. So it's really about reading between the lines when, you, when you're doing your tenant screening.
0: Yeah, being casual and just a note my buddy taught me this one uh just when you're casually uh, talking to them I don't know how he slipped this in but he he'd occasionally just ask the tense oh you know when's the last time you got an n4 like just like just kind of slipped it in there and and if they answered anything other than what's that then he's like, oh, okay. These people have had a history of paying like, <laughs> you know
1: what I mean? They, they told me that they get, they've, they've gotten evicted. Like I've gotten oh, tenants telling me and they're like, I'm like my partner with me. You're like, how did you do that? I'm like, I'm just acting like I'm the, I'm the person showing the place. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm just showing it. Like, so like, have you had other landlords? Like how are they been? Oh, this one landlord, they tried to take me to court because they thought I did this. And it's like, <laughs> Really? Are you serious that's what happened what an- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and then they tell you more because you're you're showing that you're agreeing with what's going on with them so you know what we don't mean to be like this we don't want to be fake we want to be truthful but you know what you are giving the keys to someone who can stay in your unit for at least a year not paying rent causing thousands and thousands of damages you need to make sure that we are upping our tenant screening and i think COVID really taught us that um to make sure that we are getting the right type of person because this is going to really influence our elected officials to to pull up their socks and realize that they broke the system and it's almost beyond repairable it's becoming our our play field where we will pick and choose and the people who are we're denying they will be the problem of the province as well as the taxpayers so you can choose to work with us or work against us but we will be tightening up our screening um to to the point where not a lot of the people who are being denied their their first-time homes they're the people that are going to be getting the first dibs at these rental properties now. what's sadly, because of the new yeah. changes with the stress test.
0: Yeah, there are good tenants out there. For yes. me, I want to weed them out. So what I do is I actually will send people. Anyone who inquires, like I'll post on Facebook Marketplace. If they inquire, I have a, a, a Google form or I use uh, Jot Forms. Uh, send them over, and it's a pre, bunch of pre-screening questions, like. Why do you want the place? What do you do? Like, the, you know, why have you left your old place? You know, how much money do you make approximately? Like, just part some of this stuff that would be in the application. I'll do that before I'll even show it to them, um, and I like to to add a couple of hurdles in there because if they're not willing to take the time to do those hurdles, then they're probably the type of, of person that I'm going to set up an appointment with to come see the place, and they won't show up. So. I, I've, I've really compressed when I do uh, these showings, I compress the amount of people coming out by, by taking that procedure. And I'm sure yeah. you've done similar stuff like that as well.
1: Bring two people, two people, one outside, keeping them entertained, talking yeah. the way, you know, keeping them company while I finish up with the people inside. So that yeah. as they talk, as my partner talks to them, and then I get to talk to them, then you and your partner now come together and say, this is what they told me. Did they tell you this? You know, that, and then you work that concept of what's a lie and what's the truth, right? So it's, it's a great tactic that I love using and it hasn't failed me yet. Knock on wood.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? Like as long as you're getting, you know, you're understanding these people and I think pre-screening is everything. Like if, if by the time you're dealing with these $10,000 issues that you made the mistake, you know, a year before and, you know, that sucks, but we learned from these and I've made these mistakes too. And you just, the key is don't do it again. <laughs> don't do it twice or that's learn from a our pain. It's
1: the job, right? People yeah. say like, look at the job. And now with COVID, now you see someone that's applying for your job and they work in the restaurant business. You're like, Oh God, <laughs> like that used to be really good money. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So, so Dave, Dave's asking about some pre-screening questions as well. Um, He says, "Um, I'm in the process of renting a property. I have uh, pre-screening questions for potential tenants. Just uh, from the answers I'm getting, I know right away I don't want to rent to them, but they keep asking me when they can see the property. Um, What is the best way uh, to approach this question if they keep bugging you, uh, knowing that you have no intention of ever renting to them? That's a good question.
1: You know what, for me personally, I don't, I don't dabble with this one. This one's a very scary um, spot where you're denying someone before you even get to kind of look at, you know, what, what it is. I literally open it up 15 minutes apart. You're, you're having to have multiple days. Sometimes it takes me four straight days, four hours each doing 10, 15 minute intervals of interviewing people. Um, even if you don't want don't want them based on what they say to you, and this is, it's really it's 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 not worth the concept of, you know, a human rights case coming against you. Uh, so it's it's best just just to try to um, get as much information uh, about them, um, but still book them in. It's 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 a great way because you never know. Sometimes they they could shock you. You know, maybe the paperwork is not the greatest, but getting to know them as a person, you can actually you could be finding a really good, a really good uh, tenant there. And we're just not giving them an opportunity from seeing them at first time.
0: I actually heard a story about this in Florida. There was uh, one of the property managers there. They they had a, a, a tenant re- or potential tenant reach out to them who had been charged with a crime, but not convicted and said in the email, uh, I've been charged with this crime. Would you consider me for a tenancy? And they just responded, uh, no, I don't believe the owners would be agreeable to that. And they got hit with a lawsuit and it cost them $5,000 just for that response. And they were just the fish. property managers and they got hit with that. So um, I fish don't know if that would fish. happen here. They were so fishing. This fish. guy was a professional. This he was doing this everywhere. He was sending out these emails everywhere and just making money. So who knew? You get charged with a crime and it can be profitable. Apparently,
1: just like, just <laughs> like I'm on OW or ODSP. Or are you looking at that type of application? There is people out there in Ontario that do fish and ask the landlords this, so that they can indeed uh, bring a human rights case against you. And and if you're looking at you know walking into your tenant's home with your shoes on and it's against their religion and getting fined sixty thousand dollars. This is something that I'm not going to challenge.
0: Interesting. Okay. Let's keep moving on these questions. Um, Ian is asking, I'm a landlord. I'm entertaining, taking on tenants who practice Airbnb arbitrage. Any advice?
1: Yeah. You might you might upset your neighbors uh in there. Airbnb, it's definitely obviously impacted through through COVID. Um and but you you know you don't have to go with the RTA. You know, that's the benefit where a lot of landlords were going from long-term rentals and getting into short terms because of the RTA and the LTB. For me, I'm hearing some success on it. It's more of about you can have your good and you can have your bad just with your good tenants. But for me, I'm a, I'm a type of a long-term tenant uh, person. Um, don't really like the ins and outs because especially when you're dealing with potential bed bugs coming or cockroaches, it's it's a very costly uh, and it's a really costly job to get rid of. And it could you know put you back a little bit uh, when you do have to treat it or you do have tenants now complaining about it. So yeah. Um, I, that one's a, a little iffy
0: for me. Interesting point about the bed bugs. I mean, I don't. I don't know of them being that common in my experience. Other than in New York City, I, I came across them one time. But I mean, yeah, it could happen. Anything could happen. I. For me, it's more about the reputation of the person coming to me. Like if they have a track record and they do a great job of this, I would be more likely to consider it. Versus if it's somebody I have no connection to, they're not in my community. Um, you know, I'm less likely. My mentality is anyone I deal with in business in any way, I want them to have something to lose. Uh, if they have a reputation, good standing in the community, that's really important. If they care about their credit, if they care about you know a, a number of different things, I want to know that if they were to do anything that wasn't above board, that it will come back on them. Uh, that's this is why I won't even entertain tenants that don't seem to have anything to lose because what's mm-hmm. the point? Why would I want that? You know, and there's plenty of those type out there. So exactly okay, we're keeping we're keeping going here. So anonymous attendee uh, regarding Jake's situation, uh, does the tenant still owe the landlord? Uh, for the arrears, I'm not a lawyer. Neither of us are lawyers or paralegals. Uh, but I would absolutely be claiming the entire amount and going after the entire amount personally. And uh, I'm sure there's many cases in the past that have worked out where where that was awarded. I would I would assume you'd be on the same page with that, Kayla.
1: Yeah, they they. this is about obviously that they still owe that money. They've utilized that place. They're probably still in that place. So it, it's definitely uh, the concept of being able to get rewarded that money. Now, sometimes you could look at uh, forgiveness, you know, and if you forgive anything that, that puts it in, in just perspective. But yeah, it's that money. You got to make that sure that the it follows them and prevents them from getting the next unit. Mm hmm.
0: Okay so we have another question here uh Muhammad uh what's your take on bill 184 any good stuff for landlords
1: so obviously Bill 184 is the reason why I got into property management. I'm like, okay, I'm going to help these landlords out on the regional level, you know, to make sure that I protect them against these, these professional tenants. Uh, Bill 184 obviously upped the fines. So you went from 25000 to 50000 for unlawful evictions for individuals and then from 100000 to 250000 for a corporation. Um, then you get yourself into rent increases. So normally for a landlord, if we didn't give a rent increase um, on the N1 application form, a tenant can dispute that and they can get the entire money that they've paid through the rent increases back because it, it never was on that proper form. It wasn't served in a proper manner. They have now adjusted with Bill 184 that you can indeed uh, still have uh, the the rate uh, that you've charged that tenant if your tenant doesn't dispute it within one year. So that is something where if a landlord says, you know, your increase is 20, I charge 30, you've been paying that amount for 30 for the last 12 months on dispute it, that becomes the lawful rent. That is something that of a good thing for our landlords, um, and 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 same thing with the N4, the N1 application. So you really want to utilize the cons- consent by email application um, on the landlord and tenant board website so that you can get your tenants to give you permission to communicate through email. And an N1 uh, application can be sent now to the tenants by email if you get them to sign this this type of form. So that's a good thing. Uh, the other thing with Bill 184 is that the maintenance, you. You know this is a big thing that our landlords uh, we're getting trapped in, where uh, you have an N4 application and L1 application at the board. Uh, the tenant is now coming to the board uh, to talk about the non-payment of rent, but they go, "Wait a second, my landlord did not fix this, did not fix that, did not fix this," and now all of a sudden the landlord is very shocked to even know that there's even maintenance issues. But that could cause the adjournment of the landlord and tenant board so you now have a delay happening because the tenant's bringing up maintenance issues with bill 184 they now tell uh the land the tenant that they if they have any maintenance issues that they want to bring up at this type of hearing they have to give it to the, to the board seven days prior to the hearing and the landlords have five days should be seven but they they have landlords have five days um, to, in order to respond uh, regarding that maintenance issue so that's another thing that seemed to be very beneficial but again, again, it's changes, minor, minor changes that we're looking at. Now, again, it is going to go with, uh, you know, the renovations, Uh, you now have to pay, you're paying tenants, uh, more money, even if they don't even if they want the unit back, or they don't want to have the unit back, you're still having to give funds uh, to to the tenant in order to do this rent or provide them with uh, a suitable other accommodations to their liking. So, you know, again, little changes. I, again, I feel Bill 184 did come out, not because of the little tiny changes, but more of the punishment uh, that is out there for landlords if you do try to do unlawful evictions for the N-12 and the N-13s and they just gave us some little timbits on the way. So that's 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 the concept of where i feel the, the 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 province had uh created this in order to really discourage landlords from uh renovate, renovations uh and also, you know, taking it over for their own personal use and and trying to get away with it. Um, that's why renov- the way that they've they've done it, i feel that the M13s Will not be used. I don't find that they get used now, uh, but I can see more landlords are going to not put the time and money into their unit. And we're going to be creating some slum landlords, some slum landlords and some really slim places because we don't want to have to follow the protocol for evicting someone in order to get the maintenance that obviously these aging properties need.
0: Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot to, to unpack there. And I, I want to keep moving here. Obviously we could, we could, we could keep <laughs> going there, but uh, okay. I'm going to keep going into the next question here. Uh, is it better to require uh, tenant? Uh, I, I guess I'm just going to paraphrase here. Is it better for the tenant to have their own insurance or have them covered in our insurance? Um, we have landlord upstairs and tenants live downstairs.
1: No, I, it's always about on your standard lease, you'll have the option where you require your tenant to have tenant insurance. I always click that box 100%. I tell the tenants, you really should get in your own tenant insurance. It's next to nothing. If you have your car insurance, um, you really should get it because of the contents of the, inside your property. If There was a flood, or if there was a fire, we really want to have your, your property um, covered in your contents or if you made a mistake. So my insurance company doesn't come after you. Uh, so this is a great way for you to get your own tenant insurance. Now, if they do it, you know what, I'm telling them that they have to do it. Can I check if they've, uh, after the fact, and make sure that they have an updated uh, tenant insurance uh, slip to know that they're still uh, current? Of course I can. If they don't provide it for me, can you apply to the board underneath an N5? You may look into that at the landlord and tenant board, but never, I would never put them underneath your own personal insurance, just telling them that they should have it, check that part off on your standard lease in order to tell them that they should have their tenant insurance. And honestly, you get to see which responsible tenants we do get to have because they're telling you that they have their tenant insurance already. And that's another sign that you want to look for in in a good quality tenant as you're, as you're screening them.
0: Okay, great, great point. All right, next one. Just purchased a property last February. Seller didn't forward or disclose info or standard lease form. Is it okay to ask tenant for identification, COE, etc.? And is it okay to change lease agreement if tenant agree?
1: Um, definitely. You, you can change your agreement if the landlord and the tenant agrees, especially if there's nothing in place now. I would just, and, and again, it's going to be out in the format and your character of how you're going to try to work this. Hey, I'm your new landlord. There's some paperwork that seems to not have happened. You know, these are the rules. Can we just get your basic information just in case there was a, you know, an emergency situation? We know who to contact and we know who our tenants are, you know, and then trying to get them into a standard lease. Put them in a month a month. Really, don't encourage landlords to do a yearly lease. It doesn't do anything for the landlords. Certainly, has more of an out protection for the tenants. Uh, but doing a month a month lease would be great. So, just saying, hey, I just want to put you on a month a month. If you're ever going to leave, it's just a sixty day notice. But I do want to get some credentials, especially knowing their t- their first name and last name and their date of birth, so that you can report them to LCB and Equifax. Awesome.
0: awesome. Okay. Um, have you used Rentify?
1: I actually spoke with Chad. I'm excited to see. I actually have uh, my next rental that's coming up. I'm getting to to work with that. Um, and I said, like, it's more about that. It's new. I love the concept. I love how it's another screening tool that I'm excited to bring to our members because of the fact that it does give us that, that ends of the bank account, you know, normally we get, Hey, we want a 12 month statements or three months of statements. And sometimes you'll have your tenants like, Oh, I don't want that. And again, they may shovel their nose up at the concept that they have to put their banking information into the system, a system that's new, a system that they don't know yet. And you could actually have a, a good tenant, um, you know, walk away because they're not too sure what this system is but i could tell you i feel like it's going to be the 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 new norm just like lcb being the new norm i think rentify is going to be really uh helping us step up our screening game
0: yeah that's great i mean we're going to need more more tools so um you know everything everything we can add in this is hopefully going to be helpful down the road um okay uh, as far as paralegals go and this is a question i wanted to ask anyway um when in your opinion should a paralegal be used
1: You really want me to say that one. (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm a really strong believer of getting our landlords, A, into these community groups to really learn the system and help and get supported by other landlords and other paralegals within the group and learn for yourselves. Um, You know, paralegals are definitely helpful, especially when you know you have a professional tenant. Sometimes having that paralegal step in and show, you know, I'm not messing around now. I have a paralegal. So we've tried to work it out with you. And now I'm getting my paralegal involved because I'm at that point where I'm going to come over there and punch you. So we're going to get the paralegal involved. Um, and even for a landlord and tenant board, you know, I feel that landlords and tenants should really be at the landlord and tenant board arguing their case versus having legal representation because as taxpayers, we're paying for legal aid for our tenants and landlords have to go ahead and hire their own legal representation. So again, I kind of, I love my paralegals on, on one side of it. And then I like it when a landlord and tenant can battle themselves at the landlord and tenant board uh so i have a a a love and hate relationship i guess but i love to have so many paralegal friends that i love and i would recommend so if anyone does need a paralegal just let me know i'm sure i can i get one that will fit uh the the job that that needs to get done
0: okay and that sounds like you sort of answered the question this gentleman had or or lady had uh about you know does it help to have paralegals serve notices you you sort of touched on that i think that it does add a, a level of legitimacy, but I, I still like the, the, you know, person to person direct, uh, approach personally. Um, yeah. okay. So that's great. And while you're on the topic, where do people find you? How do they reach you if they want to connect and know more or ask for your recommended paralegal?
1: Yeah. So you can join on Ontario Landlords watch members group on Facebook. Uh, when we have a few questions in there, like, how'd you find out about us? Make sure you put Andrew on. Uh, say that you heard us from Andrew. That's going to be very crucial for letting you into the group. We have just over 6,000 members, and we still have 2,400 people waiting to get in, unless I know that they're coming from people like Andrew. So make sure you put that in there, and I can get you in. You can also find me on Facebook uh, with Aunt Kayla Android, which my photo is on your, uh, on your your uh, for your event tonight. So hopefully they can find me on there. And they can also email me at olwlandlearns at And I'll probably be like, hey, let's get on a conversation because... I'm definitely more of a talker than a writer
0: <laughs> okay i'll see about putting putting some links in the uh, episode uh notes and uh that way people will just have uh, easy access to that um Perfect. okay so that's awesome uh we we'll, we we got time for a few more questions before we wrap yeah, up okay i'm good all right um okay so as far as references kayla who are the people you want to talk to for a tenant
1: Oh, so this is the tricky part, you know, we always want to be able to try to talk to their employer, we want to be able to talk to their past landlord. And no matter what, we almost got to like cross our cross our fingers and hope that we're actually getting a landlord. And that's where I feel that when you're getting yourself into getting reviews and doing tenancy searches and trying to find out where these reviews are coming from, we even with LCB, where a landlord could actually leave the reference available there that could be checked. And That's another platform where we know that these landlords are vetted, and they're actually allowed to report and that it's going to be their past, uh, their past landlord doing it. Um, And again, you just got to almost talk to that landlord, if you are talking to them on the phone, talk to them like the same lingo, talk to them about the board, get them off topic about that tenant. Talk about the Landlord and Tenant Board, the Residential and Tenancy Act, uh, what they plan to do with investment. You'll, you can really tell which, which landlords and which investors are really on the phone and which are just friends of the tenant. Um, but really, you're basing yourself on the concept of getting that work reference, you know, a nice letterhead, work reference, showing that they work there, getting those pay stubs, showing that they work there. We're honestly like going in blind. So you really want to make sure that you're talking to as many people as you can, but don't take it like, oh, the past landlord said they were great. Sometimes we have our landlords in a desperate situation and they'll say anything just to get rid of that Mm -hmm. tenant. So always try to, you know, read between the lines when you're even trying to talk to that past landlord.
0: Dig yes, dig, 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 call them, I call I, I called the friends references on my last group of tenants, like I called every number they put on that paper, And I just try to get a feel like are they weird people that they put down? do they seem <laughs> shifty? Uh, can I throw them off guard? do they do I get a genuine feel from them or do I get the the feeling that they're trying to you know string me along and give me a line and uh, social media.
1: You- Social media, zoom up on the coffee tables, you know, when you're meeting them and you're walking them out to their car, take a quick peek Mm -hmm. in. Or are they, they say that they have no dog, but they are covered in dog hair. I smell them. I smell them when I walk in. It's like, okay, I don't care about you smoking weed. I just don't want you growing it here. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's the stuff that you really got to. Get out of your, get out of your, your comfort bubble.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of, I'm sure this comes with practice though. The more you do it, the more comfortable you get, you get with it and it's easier to, to have these conversations. Um, Okay. So, uh, Jacqueline had a question and I, I think I'll just touch on it right now. So what hurdles do I have when I'm, uh, uh, she was referring to when I'm sending people for a viewing request. So if somebody asks me to see, I have, I create like a free Weebly website. So if you go to Weebly.com, you can actually create a free website and you can actually throw in a jot form, like jot forms free as well, um, of all the questions you want to ask. Or you can send them to the JotForm or Google Forms directly. But I basically just created a website for my property. And I asked, you know, what is your name, full name? What is your email? What is your phone number? What is your ideal move-in date? Are you okay with this move-in date? Yes or no? And I, I forced them to give me an answer. How long do you ideally see yourself staying as a tenant? And I actually put one year, one to two years, two plus years, or this is our forever home. And I'm specifically looking. I mean, I don't necessarily love the, this is a, our forever home answer. Um, and then how, how many people over the age of 18 would be living in the house one, two or other, and they can write it in any kids. If so, how many, and what ages, uh, do you have pets? If so, please provide detail. Uh, I'm giving you all the, all the things that I have in my most recent one. So, uh, does anyone, uh, who would be living at or regularly at the unit smoke? Um, if yes, please explain. And are you okay with having only one parking spot? In this case, I only had one parking spot. Why are you moving? Please explain please explain your income situation. What is the total monthly household gross income? Please include all income earners and break it down. And is there anything else you would like to tell me about yourself? Those are my questions. And I'm sure Kayla, you could critique that.
1: (laughs) You know what? It's beautiful. It's beautiful what you created. The only thing I would ask is, has COVID affected your payment? Can you show proof that you were able to pay rent through COVID? Mm -hmm you know, we yeah. had a rent strike movement, many people taking advantage of it, we need to show that even with, you know, a hardship situation, that they were prepared for this type of situation, and they were able to make their payments on time. And if not, they need to know that I want to see your payment arrangement, I want to see your payment arrangement, with your landlord, I want to show that you're current and up to date, especially with the eviction ban being lifted, and enforcement on the way. This is now like, get your spidey sense out, guys, like, step up your screening a lot harder than ever before because of the eviction ban. At least when the eviction ban, our our professional tenants were at bay, you know, they know this, this evil is now unleashed into the world and you need to make sure that you are well aware of them.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a great one to add in there. That, that one was uh, you know, something I should have, I should put in there for sure uh, going forward. So um, what else? Oh, just to cover that point. So that would be before a viewing so somebody would have to answer all that, all those questions before I would even agree to meet them at a property. And that cuts out all the tire kickers, the people who aren't serious, who are just going to stand you up anyway. I mean, you you can do things the hard way or the easy way. Uh, I learned from, I, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I, I've I had a lot of good advice from a lot of people that, uh, that have helped me refine that. So um, unfortunately I have probably too many questions here to, uh, to get to all of them. Um, so I do want to ask you, Kayla, is there any, you mentioned that you have some sort of tips and tricks, and I know you've given us a few already, but is there anything that we haven't covered that you would want to share with our viewers and listeners?
1: Hmm. Uh, related to what? Screening, to the landlord and tenant board, trying to get your, your house sold, like uh, lots of different Well, things. I
0: mean, it's either screen, screening or or evictions, uh, either, either or, um, you know, what, um, what stands out as what we haven't covered yet.
1: I would say it's 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 definitely about the open communication, right? Open communication. You have to document as much as you possibly can. I think uh, if, it's all about the management of the tenant. And I know that when we have a bad tenant in itself and they stop paying, your overall hurdle is going to be the Landlord and Tenant Board. So getting to know all of the, the people at the Landlord and Tenant Board and the adjudicators and getting to know where they come from, you know, from their past jobs is, is something where it helps me when I need to expedite. So it's part of if you are a, a landlord ready to get out of the industry and or you have a tenant that is, you know, uh, a safety, it's a safety situation, um, get familiar with the expedited hearing. Uh, application at the landlord tenant board. You know, a lot of people don't know too much about it, but definitely expedited hearings. And if, as long as it's it's fitting their niche uh, regarding safety or illegal acts and or a potential hardship to a landlord, this could you know work itself into your benefit of getting your case ha- uh, heard a lot quicker and making sure that you're not just sitting there and waiting. Really getting to know the dispute program at the Landlord and Tenant Board for you as a landlord in order to get to the higher up, especially if you're waiting a long time for a hearing or if you're waiting a long time for for your paperwork, your order to come in. And most importantly, every landlord, if you ever had to deal with a delay uh, because of the Landlord and Tenant Board, please make your complaint with the Ontario Ombudsman. And after you make your complaint with them, you say, hey, When is this report coming out? Because this is a broken system that, yes, we see some changes happening where it's going to be an accessible 24 hour day system that is coming from the Landlord and Tenant Board. um, But we need help now. And because we have this abuse that's happening and we need to keep ourselves um, going in this industry. You need to keep landlords, small landlords are 50 percent of the housing stock. And, and right now we're seeing that dwindle and we're seeing it because of COVID. And we're seeing these, these homes of single families and condos and townhouses being sold off. And they're being sold for over 300000 over asking price. Do you ever think that those places are going to be bought with the concept of being a rental in mind? No. So we really need to continue to keep your keep your ear to the to the ground and continue to hammer your MPP and really get politically involved. Because if you're in the real estate industry, you got to not only have your network, but you need to be very heavily involved in how politics plays into this industry. And that will help you prepare to be a better investor for the future.
0: Yeah, you can't, uh, can't be uh, rose-colored glasses about this, have to take action. I, I think that there's so many things that applies to right now. Um, can't be a passenger in this game. We really do have to be uh, active about it. So uh, that's great advice. I did uh, I did have one more thing that I just see here uh, that I wanted to cover. Uh, so someone had asked about showings with the um, fear of COVID. Um when, what do you do if, you, if the tenants are in there? I mean, I don't even give them an option. I just said, Hey, I got to do a showing here. You guys don't need to be here. If you don't want to, I'll make sure, you know, I'll make sure leave the doors unlocked, leave the lights on. We won't touch anything. That's about what I do. I don't really give them an option, but what's your take on that?
1: So the tenants are still in the unit and we want to do showings.
0: Yeah. They've given notice to leave. You've got new ones you want to come in, but they don't want anyone coming through.
1: Definitely a hard one. You definitely don't want to cause any ripples. You don't want them holding on to the keys. And really, they're gone into their new home, but they're holding on to the keys so that you have to apply to the board to evict them based on the abandonment of the unit. And you're preventing you from re-renting it. So if you do have a tenant that is, you know, hey, I don't want you in there. I really try to say, hey, you know, I'm only going to bring in the people that I am really severely looking at as a potential candidate. Um, And I really, again, I won't touch anything. We'll keep the doors open and we'll be in and out, you know, and I'll make sure everyone brings PPE and sanitizer. But if you really see them pushing and they don't want anybody in there, honestly, guys, it's best about keeping that, keeping it empty just for the month. It's just Mm -hmm. just to make sure things are, are smooth and that you're not going to lose multiple months by just trying to go, rah, rah, these are our rights. Um, so yeah, that's that's my mm-hmm. advice on that part of it.
0: Don't poke the dragon.
1: <laughs> Don't poke yeah. it. Like they literally, I have a landlord, like the tenant had left and they have the keys. The utility is still on in that house. So you can't really poke it as, okay, this this tenant has abandoned the unit because the utilities are still on and they're just holding on to the keys because they're vindictive and they know that there's a long wait for the landlord and tenant board and they're preventing that landlord from re-renting out that unit.
0: Okay. Awesome. Kayla, you are a wealth of knowledge and um, everyone who's still here, let Kayla know how much you appreciate what she's done uh, tonight and taking the time. I certainly do. Um, There's lots to learn for for myself. And I know um, the people here are going to uh, have similar feelings. So I've already heard, I've already seen a couple of nice comments come through. So I really appreciate this. And for the questions we didn't get to um, guys, I think that probably the best thing to do is get into the group, get into Kayla's group and post them there. Because the people, there's a huge community there. And it's not just yeah. on you, Kayla, to answer all those questions. We're going to have a lot more people that can help.
1: Oh, they're very supportive. We're there to help each other. We're here to build that community of the day-to-day operations and teaching you how to advocate and what you need to know, what tools you need to have that. And this is what we need to do to support each other. Because when I first started, we had we had nothing. We had nothing. And now we have multiple different support groups that can, can be there and helpful, but making sure that you got the right one. Because sometimes... Uh, People tend to take some groups and turn it in more of a business aspect, but it's a free group to join. Just join in. Say that you mentioned Andrew, I'll let you in. And of course, my information is there. So if you want to schedule a one-on-one talk, I'm always about that because I need to get your feedback. We need to get that feedback. So I have your thoughts and your process and your solutions being brought to the elected officials so that we can create a better housing industry uh, that benefits good landlords, the good tenants, and of course, our taxpayers.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks, I'll see you on the next one.